Hello, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Smile, and as always, today I'm joined by... Brendan Rorison. And we're back discussing... Well, Adam, there are many different names for what we're going to discuss today. Um, it's a, a very strange series that has quite a history across every region, but for some people it might be penny racers, for others it might be gadget racers, for some people it might be road trip adventure in some cases, but more appropriately, appropriately I suppose it's kind of generally accepted to be the Choro Q series, and this is um, this is one we've been trying to discuss for a while, isn't it? But the, the issue is that there are just so many games in this series, and, and where do you even start? Yeah, uh, this is a series that, since I've known you, you've been speaking, I don't know, highly of, but I feel like you brought it up, you've brought it up a lot over the years. Maybe not a lot, but every, every, like, ten episodes or so, it shows up, and, uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of of a history, uh, note here. If you didn't know, Brendan and I met, uh, on GT Planet reviewing a Micro Machines game together so like co-reviewing it so i feel like charlie q must have come up in the micro machines conversation like three or four years ago five years ago i think it was like five years ago oh my god where does the time go man (laughs) exactly mate (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's interesting because even through the micro machines chat at the time i remember you were saying obviously like those kind of top down kind of Small toy-based racers were not really something you were that interested in, but it's interesting because like penny racers, I suppose, or gadget racers or whatever, falls into that type of category of toy car racing, but it's more on a kind of grander scale. So the similarities are there, but at the same time, I can see why this would have never kind of clocked on your radar, I suppose. Yeah, the the beauty of uh, Churro Q and all its various names is that this is a typical you know chase cam uh 3d perspective racer which is uh you know always something that i'm looking for the top down stuff i struggle with uh and and i was initially really excited to try these games because i think it was a christmas episode where we were really getting into it and we decided that we needed to do an episode on churro q you were talking about the whole like attempt to try and make this like grand carpg experience out of a game that is ostensibly about like you know a toy line and yeah. i thought that was really really cool uh unfortunately um I, I i played a couple of these games here and there and i just could not bring myself to stick with the experience long enough to like get sunk into it um but in terms of the ambition that is uh that is very very cool and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of, of things to talk about that are that are more humorous because, uh, wow, does does the story mode at times get really really weird? Um, you, you keep <laughs> you keep retweeting uh, every every couple of weeks. I feel like I keep seeing the uh, screen cap of of the president from one of the games, uh, and yeah, that's uh, that, that that's that's a whole that's a whole churro queue uh, mood as it turns out. yeah yeah absolutely i mean i think in total there's like 29 games as stands in this series and 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 the way that they've tried to kind of create the game um each time they always change things up so like you're saying obviously there's the story heavy ones in there um there's a a very odd army themed one as well um that was actually branded in europe not under any of the gadget racers penny racers road trip branding which i Mm. didn't know was actually a choro q game until we started kind of looking into the games for this episode um and then of course you have the more kind of standard racing game type ones like on the gba and such and it's not really a surprise i suppose that maybe it didn't grab you that much adam because the one thing about these games i would say as a whole is that the actual experience of driving and racing in them in the early hours is pretty bad. Um, <laughs> the game takes this idea of upgrading cars to a level that's almost parody in terms of the the way the cars feel and drive at first, to me, have always been very clunky and stuff across all the titles that I've played. 
Um, and it isn't until you get those kind of late game parts and such that the actual handling engine shows what it has to offer. So, I mean, if the, the kind of general vibe of the game is already off to a bad start in terms of maybe trying to grab you from that perspective, I imagine the actual driving experience for the ones you did play perhaps wasn't to the, the standard that you would find enjoyable. Is that what the kind of main blocker was for you? Yeah, I, I guess at the end of the day, these all seem like very budget titles to me, which yep. is fine. You know, I, I, I've liked some of those games over the years, but there, there just wasn't anything that... Um, hooked me uh now i went for more and i didn't i didn't play a lot of these either but but i was more interested in how the series started whereas whereas i feel like you the the games that you bring up are more the ones that came later and yeah. really tried to flesh out that world so that might have something to do with it too um we can just give like a background as to uh how like the number of games are in this series i i'll, I'll walk through because i'm on the wikipedia page which i to be fair is actually pretty extensive in terms of the list of games it, it lists all of them and and goes to a decent length to explain where they came out because uh you know unsurprisingly most of these did not hit the west uh only only a very uh maybe like a third of them hit the West and even less hit North America from what I understand, which is another reason why I probably didn't get to play these games back in the day. Uh, but anyway, so there, there was a, there was a 1984 MSX game uh, developed by <laughs> Taito called Choro Q. Uh, we will not be talking about that one because it's an <laughs> MSX game. Um, but the series really got its start in 96 uh, with the first Choro Q which was called Penny Racers in Europe. Now, Penny Racers is, as I understand it, the uh, Western slash European name for the Choro Q toy line. And yes, because we haven't really explained this, Choro Q is basically like, you know, it's like chibi, you know, Mattel matchbox cars or something like that. So it's a general idea. Um, but yeah, so it was Choro Q in Japan, Penny Racers in Europe. And this one I do not think came out in the US. So. Straight away, uh, I don't think we got any Choro Q games in North America until like three years later with uh, the N64 version. <laughs> so that's that's not off to a great start. Yeah. Uh, and and the first, what is it? Choro Q 1, 2, and 3, all developed by Tamsoft. Tamsoft, you may know as uh, the developer, gave us Ballerina Toshinden, <laughs> a terrible game that everyone played uh, at the PlayStation 1's launch because it was a fighting game that was uh, graphically pretty good for the time and also had a lot of large-breasted women. And that's really all you need to succeed as a fighting game in, uh, in, in the mid-90s, unfortunately. But so you have those. Uh, Choro Q Jet and Choro Q Marine, which are these like sort of offshoots. And with Choro Q Marine, which I didn't really look into these, but uh, that one's on the PlayStation. That one was developed by Barnhouse Effect, which would go on to make most of these games. Uh, yeah. Because the thing is, while Takara, Takara Tomi, the uh, toy slash media empire that is Takara Tomi, uh, along the lines of, I guess, a Bandai Namco. Now, they published all the games, but they were all, they many of them were developed by different companies. So you end up with like, you know, seven, like six or seven developers, I feel like, have contributed to a series of varying points of time, which I would imagine makes all the games feel a little bit different from one another. So. Once you uh, once you get out of the PlayStation days, there was the the N sixty four one. As I said, was the first one that we got. That was Churro Q sixty four, Penny Racers, uh, and then to speed things up, there was there was a Saturn game. There were a couple of handheld games. The N sixty four one got a sequel. Uh, then you get to the PlayStation two days where they came out with Churro Q HG. Which stands for high grade, as uh, so a Wikipedia article thankfully tells us, and that one was made by Barnhouse Effect. And the whole PS2 uh, GameCube generation is, I think, what most people think of when they think and of Choro Q. That's what I got involved. 
as well. Yeah. yeah. So like Choro QHG is where I actually kind of pick up the series. Somebody I knew had the GBA one, which means I had played that already. But in terms of where I actually get involved in the series, it really begins with HG. So you're, you're correct there, Adam. Yeah. In North America, the first HG... So this was Penny Racers again in Europe. And what, what, what makes this really annoying is that... <laughs> I would I would imagine makes it annoying is that like th there's been like three or four games just called Penny Racers in Europe, all referring to different generations and different iterations of the series. In North America, they call the Gadget Racers, which, as far as I can tell, is not anything. That's not that's not a toy brand. I don't know what that is. They just thought it would be, I guess, more appealing to uh, to North American uh, players. But for whatever reason. You had Choro Q, Choro Q HG2. Now, there was a Game Boy Advance version in there as well, but HG2, yeah. which came out like a year or two later, that one they just decided to hell with the Penny Racers thing. <laughs> We're going to call it Road Trip. Uh, <laughs> and then Road Trip Adventure in Europe. So I, I feel like they were really trying to throw every single thing at the wall to try and get Western audiences to pay attention to the series, and it never really worked. But they never stopped making those games and selling them here. Like, they tried so many times. It's almost, you know, because, like, a couple episodes ago, we did Runabout. And it yeah. was weird how um, there were a couple Runabout games that we didn't get. But for the most part, we got all of them. And the studios involved, uh, Climax, they just kept trying. They, like, they were never like, eh, this isn't working. We're just going to give it up. Like, they just kept trying to see if something stuck. And it never did, but God bless them. Because of that, we got weird-ass Evangelion racing games. And uh, <laughs> Choro Q isn't even that far off the mark, to be honest. Yeah, it it gets even more complicated as well. Because obviously, when Road Trip is introduced, like you're saying, there's no, pre there's no precedent for why they would go down that route. But the games that follow, follow a similar kind of strange scenario and I'd kind of talked about the, the army one at the start of the, the episode and that's what follows next through Shin Combat Choroku, which is the Japanese name. But in Europe and North America that was simply called Seek and Destroy. And if <laughs> if you look at the cover art for this game, oh my god, there is literally nothing whatsoever that ties into the whole Choro Q shit. So it gets even more complicated. At least Road Trip kind of looks like a Choro Q game to a certain extent. But if you read the plot synopsis for this game and look at the cover, it is fucking hilarious how this is part of the Choro Q like lineage because it's so far off what we've had from this point. And I'll be honest, I seen this game on uh, shop shelves and I never touched it because I just, it looked like a shitty army game. Like, I, I wouldn't have known any capacity yeah. that this was a Choro Q game. And as we often do when we do these episodes, I'm going to post a screenshot from the plot synopsis for this game because there's, like, murder mentioned in there, there's death, there's fucking, like, proper army terms and stuff. I have no idea what this game is. I wish I'd played it now, though. I don't think you have ever seen a game marketed in uh, in the Western region where the tone of the cover art and the marketing is more off the mark from how they <laughs> planned it in Japan than with this game. Because going from Shin Combat Choro Q, which you look at the cover and it is it's in that classic Choro Q style. And then Seek and Destroy, which literally looks like army <laughs> propaganda from, like, for the fucking U.S. military. It's incredible. And the thing is, like, uh, Shin Combat Shiro Q, like, I'm looking at the gameplay of, like, Seek and Destroy, and it's pretty... It's one of those things where it's, like, they could pass it off as, like, kind of a toy appearance, but really it's just because that generation, everything was kind of dull and sort of looked like it could be made out of plastic so it was actually a fairly i mean if they were going to make any choro q be like this super aggro hardcore thing then then i guess they picked a good one because it's a game that involves tanks but maybe unless you were really paying attention you wouldn't know that was supposed to be about like toys yeah exactly and 
Ah, oh, man, look, at least in the US, I apparently had Takara's name on the front cover, but we had the fucking terrible plate branding, like one of those budget ones that made, that published a lot of these games. So, like, there was no Takara branding at all. We had the same cover with the, the US flag and everything, the tanks. Um, I literally just found out this was in the Choroku lineage when we were doing research for this episode. Um, <laughs> I've seen this game many times throughout the years and never once clocked that it could be related to Choro Q, but once again, this just sums up the fucking madness of this series, and, and it, I think it's Choro Q HG4 that is simply called Choro Q in the US and Europe as well. So. Yeah, so it took them, it took them until very, very late to finally decide, to hell with it, we're gonna call this the same thing everywhere. Um, it took them until... 2003 in Japan, 2004 in North America, and 2005 in Europe. So, so there you go. And I think that one, that one is generally considered the best, right? Although you, I, I do remember you speaking highly of Road Trip. Yeah, yeah. Road, well, like it's funny. Like for me, the the be- my favorite game is just regular HG, um, and then I quite like Road Trip as well, just because it's okay. It's it's a good laugh. But um, the reason that I really like HG, as I'm sure we'll go into later, is that it I like the whole kind of RPG stuff, but I like the fact that regular HG was more like a kind of diet Gran Turismo, almost like Gran Turismo for boys, that like yeah. idea Kaz had at some point. Uh, for me, that kind of resonates more, more with that. But um, yeah, uh, to be honest, HG4 is probably, objectively speaking, the most full-featured of the games. Um, but... Yeah, what a strange lineage this series has. Um, there was certainly something. There was a DS game uh, that was cancelled, and then there was a Wii game uh, which did come out, and then was called Penny Racers Party Turbo Q Speedway. So they went they went back to Penny Racers um, <laughs> at a certain point, which honestly, like you, like that's that seems like the inevitable thing to happen. You market a game for a decade as Penny Racers, and then you change the name to Churro Q. And even though it doesn't gain much steam as Penny Racers, like, that's what people know it as. So <laughs> they kind yeah, of put themselves exactly. in a situation where it's like, you know, they have to go with this brand that they that they don't want to. And uh, and yeah, we, we haven't seen a console Penny Racers game since 2008, uh, or Churro Q, so, so I guess the series is effectively dead. There was apparently an Android game in Japan in 2012, but, you know, those, those barely count anyway. Ridge Racer had, like, three or four of those, and I can't remember the names of any of them, and they were all the same, so who cares? Um, but yeah, that's, that, that is the snapshot of the Churro Q franchise and i don't even want to count how many games there are but it's safe to say there are a lot and and barnhouse effect and takara made uh made a lot of them made more than you would think exactly and i think this is why when people say that they like penny racers or oh i played that when i was growing up it's near impossible to actually distinguish which one it was unless they're absolutely aware of it like for example when I refer to Penny Racers, I'm talking about HG, the first HG, but um, obviously that could be the GBA game, it could be the Nintendo 64 game, <laughs> there's just so much like confusion yeah. going on here, and that's why you could spend a whole episode just talking about all these differences and such, especially given that from a developer's point of view, I mean, th- thank goodness we've got this Wikipedia page, because like Takara just seemed to kind of take credit for all of the games in terms of like as if they're the developer you don't actually see the developer names at all in the opening boot up for a lot of these games um it's usually just a publisher and takara that appear or from the case of the wii version it was tomi at that point um, yeah but yeah a very very strange series with many many different games and all very similar games as well to a certain extent it is one of these situations where if you don't like the general gameplay loop of these games it's probably not worth playing the rest of them and and i think that's kind of where you found yourself adam just based on what you were saying yeah um i also want to throw in there apparently some of them were uh, published by your favorite publisher brendan midas interactive so yes, there you go that, exactly um, that's that's where <laughs> a lot of my midas interactions come from <laughs> from this series um, um but yeah i think it was like plate took it on from a road trip 
think it was, so the regular Penny Racers games or Choro QHD ones before they went the full CarPG route was published by Midas and then I think Play It took over, but it's... It's yeah. very fucking complicated. <laughs> I've never heard... I mean, it's funny how you have these regional publishers. Like, um, There are some that we have in North America. Like, I don't know if you guys ever had Jester or Valcom, but I feel like what was published under Midas in Europe became Jester or Valcom when it came to the US. I don't know if they're the same company. I don't know if they're like, you know, a- another wing of Midas for just the US market, but all your horrible... You're like budget... Um, department store racing games from the ps2 era like your corvette evolution gt or your dt racer or your suzuki tt Superbikes or the alfa romeo game they were all <laughs> i feel like they were like midas in europe and then they came here and they're like valcom or jester and anytime you saw those brands on a racing game and it was usually a racing game that you wanted to play because like i don't know like the, the alfa romeo one looked really cool on the cover and so the so the suzuki one yeah. uh if you ever saw those logos, you you needed to run because chances are those games are also like seven dollars new, and uh, you you weren't really missing much. So, yeah, the you know there have been really good budget racers uh, throughout you know history, but I, I don't know. I think I think Churro Q. What disappointed me about Churro Q. And I can kind of get into my experiences of playing uh, a couple of these games now, is that. You know, if, if there's just something simple under the surface that works, you know, I'm. That's usually all it takes for me to really get on board. And the closest thing I can compare it to is like I I made a point to play Churro Q3, the PlayStation game. Um, so we're not talking about the HG one. And this was Tamsoft's last game on the PlayStation uh, for the Churro Q franchise. And you can actually, even though it didn't come out in the U.S. Um, or in Europe, you can get a uh, fan, an English fan translated patch for it. And in this game, it doesn't really have a story mode or anything like that. So it has minimal English anyway, but it, it throws in just enough to make it easy to understand. So I'm very thankful that that exists. But I was thinking like, okay, you know, Churro Q3, this game came out in 98. So but at this point, it's it's kind of a little bit, a little bit later. It's like midway through the PlayStation's life cycle and... These games probably look and play a little bit better now. And honestly, like my my sort of benchmark for like a budget PlayStation racer ever since I discovered it was uh, Rally Day Africa and Rally Day Europe. Because those games, when they came out in Japan, uh, developed by Prism Arts, they were, they were like budget racers. They were pretty simple. A handful of tracks, a handful of cars. There, there was no sort of crazy story mode very very straightforward racing games but they looked incredible and they played well enough and they were just fun and that's kind of what I was hoping from Churro Q but I don't know I think I think I just kind of have a dim view of everything Tamsoft did because they just don't understand (laughs) why they were they kept getting paid to make things back in the day Uh, but uh, excuse me but yeah Churro Q3 I, I I wasn't really impressed it it starts out and I feel like they change very little between the first three games because they all kind of look the same. Uh, and, and it was just kind of one of those things where we tr- we tweak a few things and then we throw it out there again as a budget title. And, you know, there's there, there's really no risk there involved, so why not do it? One of the cool things about Troku is that they go through um, a lot of different, like, classic Japanese sports cars and, and um, Akami cars and stuff that maybe weren't as familiar to people in the West. So you have your like old school uh, GTR skyline, you know, the, um, um, the, the KGC 10 or whatever you have like an old Celica, but you also have like a Renault five turbo. You have an NSX, you have, um, I think there's like a BMW i7 in there. So the, the, the car lineup is quirky and they all look very cute and like very on brand with like the way that the Churro Q vehicles look. But you go into the racing and it's, it's just not fun. The, the, the physics are, and then maybe I'm missing the point just by like grading the physics of this game, but like <laughs> it's one of those things where like 
something that they did a lot back in the 32-bit era um and and something we talked about i think with ms uh was it mrc on the n64 but there are tons of games that that kind of handled this way as well i think about uh manx ct superbike on the saturn but it's that thing where like you turn and like if you if you know you're using the d-pad and and if you hold your thumb to the left or right for too long the card just starts skidding in a way where it's not savable and yeah. in a way where you're you know you're not drifting you are you are just going to pretty much like just skid off the road complete understeer but your car's kind of sideways and you're just going to like spear off in whatever direction you were facing when that happened uh it's the same kind of thing so like usually with games like that what i try to do is like sort of like tap steer like i can never keep my keep my thumb down for too long so i'll just kind of like do left 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 right 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 but then you don't really have enough grip to make the corner so then I just ended up kind of like tapping the accelerator as well. So my car was doing this really jerky thing where it was like kind of <laughs> losing it, but not. And I was yeah. hanging on the corner and it just wasn't fun. And then, you know, it's it's actually, it's not punishing at all to hit opponent cars in this game. But if you hit the wall, your race is over. And the AI is very fast. So in all of those ways, it just kind of feels like a more miserable ridge racer because <laughs> you have this really you have this really really punishing um collision system and, and handling you can't quite master and um yeah it just contributes to like this this not enjoyable experience it doesn't even look that good like i i was thinking like oh you know playstation sort of the ps1 graphical aesthetic should work so well for churro q and it really really doesn't it looks fine the, the cars look good but everything else is just it's just pretty um it's just pretty lifeless and and yeah that that was the first one i played and that was <laughs> that didn't really say a good taste in my mouth and then, and then most of them like you know i'm just i just kind of popped in looked at youtube videos because there are so many of these games and yeah yeah i don't know i wasn't really picking up on anything that changed it's, it's more like and i think you kind of touched on this while the gameplay experience stayed the same. What um, Barnhouse Effect, you know, which would later go on to make these games and stuff, what they focused on more were, were all of the things around the racing yeah. rather than the racing itself, which, you know, is fair, I guess, for the kind of game that you're, that, you know, Churro Q is. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm just having a look at Free. Um, I think it's funny you make the Ridge Racer comparison because I think Free is the one that actually has a. A Ridge Racer track in there somewhere um, on the, the the actual the soundtrack. I need to confirm that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a, a small remix of a Ridge Racer tune in there. So, so it's funny you make that comparison. So it is it is absolutely wild. But yeah, so I played I played three and first race you do there's this like track that's an oval and initially you you like from the get go there's a song with that famous like Ridge Racer. Uh, progression corporation of like do 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 i was like all right this is weird especially you know being a playstation game came out around the same time i mean a couple years after ridge racer in the arcades and stuff obviously but i'm like okay maybe you know there are a lot of songs through history you think somebody ripped them ripped it off and they didn't so who knows and then it gets to the it gets to like the chorus part and it is not exactly the same there are some notes that are a little bit different but the tempo is you know bang on with ridge racer you know with the song ridge racer from the original game yeah and i'm just like there is no way that they weren't you know trying to rip this off in some fashion like that this is too similar to just be a coincidence
I, I went on YouTube and I found the song, which was even hard enough because, you know, these Cherokee games aren't really well known by anyone, <laughs> especially the ones that were just in Japan. And yeah. th- there were a couple comments where, like, I would consider this more of a homage. You know, maybe they were just inspired. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe that's a favorable way of looking at it. I, again, it, it kind of contributes to my belief that Tamsoft really didn't do anything notable or original. <laughs> <laughs> during during their time of relevancy um but i will say that that song that song that like grossly rips off ridge racer is actually a pretty good song it's like it's it's very similar um and at a certain point it goes in like a little bit of a different direction yeah it's so funny when you hear it for the first time somebody put it in the discord server i'm sure in the first time that, that I was me it. Yeah. oh it was so um I, it's, it's it's just that part stood out to me. But having a look at Choro Q3, it's like, it, and this is why it's funny that I quite like some of these games because it looks like the type of Choro Q game that I don't really like or want to play. <laughs> like, I like Road Trip Adventure, for example, because of how silly it is and stuff. But ironically, like whenever they kind of add that stuff on top and it becomes overbearing, that's when I kind of become bored of the series for the reason you're saying, where the driving isn't actually that great um, overall. The, the reason, right. like, um, just to go into my experience of the ones I played, I like the GBA one because I quite like GBA era racers. So it's very straightforward, typical type of GBA racer and it's good fun. But for me, like the, the kind of pinnacle of the series in terms of my enjoyment came from Choro Q HG, the original, because they basically took that kind of concept of a Gran Turismo game and, and imported it into a kind of budget racer, but did so in a way that stripped out a lot of the stuff that I get bored of in these games. So I don't care about like the, the kind of side quest stuff or the, the fun, losing that term loosely, mini games. Um, I just kind of like that idea of buying car bodies and upgrading them and like making these kind of toy cars look ridiculous for like monster wheels and shit and i feel as if the kind of loop was very efficient and concise in the the regular hg where there there was grinding involved but it was always just through races like you didn't have to do anything peripheral to that um and i just did you have to run a script on your pc to do the same race (laughs) over and over again (laughs) exactly i I remember uh the the director of the game put out a statement saying that they want people to feel that they really own these toy cars and they have to earn them even without the use of microtransactions it reflects (laughs) the the real toy car market on ebay exactly um But like the loop in the regular HG is one of my favourites in this series because I feel as if it's concise and to the point. And then even visually speaking, um, once again, maybe this is more of a kind of grown up thing that I preferred it this way and then I'm biased in a way. But I quite like how they try to ape that kind of simcade look as well to to a certain degree in regular HG where it isn't this overly cartoony looking game, but it's these kind of toy cars and realistic-ish environments colour palette wise and stuff and... A lot of people find it very boring looking HG, which is fair enough because it is a budget game, so it doesn't quite have that level of flair. Perhaps it needs to pull off that style. But this game for me was great because it was kind of what I think was missing in terms of that type of Gran Turismo experience where you can kind of downsize that experience and still have the main parts of it intact. And here, like, you have license tests that unlock certain races. The car body shop is a lot more kind of a lot more fully featured than say the, the Q3 one that you were playing Adam and and that the, the parts shops, there's multiple parts shops and that sort of thing, which is pretty cool as well. Um there's endurance racing in there too with pit stops, which is good fun. Um and the different types of tires and stuff you use impacts how uh, kind of long you can go on certain stints before needing to pit that sort of thing. There's just like that kind of level of depth that gives the racing that bit more excitement and the the loop of the game is so much more concise because it's done through menus. Hub worlds and stuff are fun, but for me growing up, this was always the kind of prime Choro Q experience, which is different to what a lot of people think because they all love the, the more kind of dedicated RPG style of road trip. But um, yeah, when I look at like Q3, um, that is the type of game that I would have just ignored as a child growing up, but HG or as it was known in um, Europe, just Penny Racers 
it had enough of that Gran Turismo ness about it that it really intrigued me. And then through replaying the games, this was the one that still took up the most of my time because it was just fun making certain builds of cars and stuff. The the car list itself in terms of the bodies that are here are great because you've got the Stratos, you've got all the Japanese cars as well. You've got a lot of kind of Ferrari-like bodies and, the, and, and such. It's like For me, this is the game that ticks the most boxes for what I look for in a racing game, um, but in a budget package as well. So it's not like... It doesn't... It's not phenomenal looking and the features aren't fully fledged but I quite like the, the kind of small level of jank and what they were going for in this one and for me this is whenever I'm talking about Choroku um, or Penny Racers it's, this is the experience I'm talking about which is funny because I know for the people who are massive fans of the series this isn't the favourite um, because apparently a lot of the charm is removed but ironically for me I I just I love that idea of taking a concept of a much larger game and trying to to fit it into like a toy car based racer, um, and that's why look, for me HG is the king for that. I, I quite I quite enjoy the gameplay loop. It's it's not too long as well, which is great. And then even on the handling front, compared to something like Road Trip, I felt as if right from the off the cars were at least a little bit fun to drive. Whereas later in the series, or maybe even before this one too. When you don't have any modifications and stuff on the car, it can be a real struggle, especially the, the drifting part that you were talking about. Adam is still intact in HG as well, so when your car starts drifting, it's just a frustrating experience rather than a, a fun one. Yeah, I'm looking at gameplay uh, of of Gadget Racers, the, the, the US version of that game, and uh, you know, this being the PS2 one. And it, yeah, the, I, I feel like you know, I was probably more inclined to like the earlier or, or as you say, the more streamlined. The games are more faithful to whatever you would say, you know, the Churro Q brand is. But, <clears throat> you know, this game uh, really doesn't seem to... It, 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 it just, like, throws everything at you. It's like, it, it, it's not afraid, it's not afraid to be weird, it's not afraid to be over the top. I mean, I just watched, somebody modified what looked like a Ferrari 330p4, but, you know, I'm sure it wasn't licensed, with, like, the legs of, the robot legs of, like, I don't know, some, some kind of, like, robotic, uh, I don't know, tarantula or something like that. So... <laughs> It's a body of a car and then like, you know, these legs and then it like moves, the, the, the legs move as it drives and they, it moves faster as they, as they go along. Like, this is weird. Like I see a beetle with like rockets on the side of it. Um, you know, this person's got a RAV4. I think I just saw an XJR9. There's yeah, an XJR9 in this game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is a combination of every single thing that you wouldn't think belongs together in a racing game. And it happens to be under under the guise and the theme of a toy car brand. Um, they really, it seems like there was really never a moment where they decided that uh, they went too far. They just they just kept pushing <laughs> yeah. all of the wackiest ideas. Uh, I'm now watching a, a 996-911 go around this oval circuit and it just distinctly looks very like driving a motion type s between the car <laughs> and the track yeah. uh so yeah this is this is weird but yeah I, I i feel like i might have enjoyed this one more it even feels like the cars might be a little bit more manageable like they don't they don't sort of understeer and lose control in like really weird ways and and uh yeah the modifications as you say they they, they, they let you do whatever you want. It, it takes it to a pretty absurd degree. I was really disappointed in Churro Q3 when, since, since modifying cars seems to have been like the hallmark of the series from the get-go, yeah. and I did like the first three races, and I couldn't, I don't know what I have to do to unlock more parts, but I couldn't unlock more parts. So, like, to even buy. I had this money, but I couldn't spend it. <laughs> and I was like, what? what am i supposed to how am i supposed to make my car better because it's undrivable right now if there aren't other components for me to buy to improve it and that's why i put the game down <laughs> so yeah this, this one looks a little bit better at that it's cool as well because the the modifications and stuff to the cars 
um, for, for some tracks might be necessary. So, for example, um, there are underwater segments in some tracks and then you need to fit a propeller so that you can actually go fast um, underneath or an engine, a kind of speedboat engine type thing in the back of your car. And then for some tracks, you can fit wings onto your car too. So like if you go up a ramp, the wings will deploy and you can take a shorter route than just driving normally. Wow. Um, and then if you're on desert tracks as well, if you've got monster truck wheels on, you will have higher speeds and that sort of thing. So there's like a good amount of variation there. And it's interesting because if you enter certain championships, you kind of have to go with a build that gives you the best chance of, of finishing in the most points, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have the right equipment to win every race. So it starts mm. to get interesting from that point of view. Um, there are tournaments that basically look at the weight of your car and if you exceed a certain weight then you can't enter so you have to kind of manage oh well i want to have this propeller but then i'll have to get rid of the downforce like kind of kit i've put on the car and that sort of thing so there's there's like a, a good amount of races and stuff in here that make it a bit more varied and that kind of ties back into the endurance type racing and stuff i was talking about earlier where it feels like in this game they were more like what is it about a regular racing game that people enjoy? How do we apply that in a kind of Choro Q type way? Um, and you still get all that craziness and stuff, but the, the, I don't know, I just feel as if the kind of loop in this game is a lot more fun just because it is more inspired by the the type of racing game when this came out that was really the highest in popularity thanks to GT. And the, yeah, the, just the, the car list and stuff's great fun as well. Like you're saying, there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great unlicensed kind of car bodies in here and and it can be fun as well because obviously the the car body is separate from the engine as well. So if you just wanted a bin truck that's like fucking capable of like 400 kilometer per hour speeds, like you can do that as well. Um, it, yeah, for me this is like, when I think of Penny Racer's Choro Q, this is the prime experience for me. Um, I, I really like Road Trip as well. Um, but there's a lot of the kind of peripheral stuff around the game that I find kind of too slow, too monotonous, and I think from a nostalgia point of view, those ones have a lot more character. I can get that 100%. This, like you've probably seen from the gameplay footage, it's not exactly um, a stylish looking game, this one, especially in comparison to Even 3, um, but that had a very distinct style. But there, there's something kind of likeable for this one for me, but it feels like they wanted to replicate that type of carpg experience in a kind of choro q type way and it makes it really fun it's also like it's not the prettiest looking game i've ever seen obviously but i think for what they want to do it actually works better than like you know the the playstation q3 or the other ones because look if you're if you're gonna do a game that's like a little bit more graphically like isn't trying to go for a super faux realistic thing is a little bit more simplistic you know, doesn't have like all the polygons or you know the the, the best te textures or whatever. Like the the other side to that is you should be able to do a lot of crazy things with like detail and and effects, and you should be throwing like a lot <laughs> yeah. of for for lack of a better term, a lot of stuff at you, a lot of visual noise and whatever. And I feel like Gadget Racers uh, slash Penny Racers does that, like. Just between the way the cars look, as I said, you, you can put robot legs on your vehicle, you can drive a robot, like, all of these things, there's a lot of cars on the track at one time, it it isn't as much for detail or art style, but it, it does do a lot in terms of, you know, of, of, of giving you a lot, sort of fleshing out the world in a way where there, there are a lot of things to occupy it, and I'm looking... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm watching this video, I have it going on in the background, and I'm watching someone customize their car, and <clears throat> they've basically applied, like, there's a solid rocker boosters on the side, there's wings on the top, there's other crap, and then they're just, like, changing the body. So every time they change the body, like, all of these parts apply to whatever body they've chosen as their base. So this guy's going through a, a, a Toyota Yaris, a, a Pajero Rally Raid car, <laughs> there's a Toyota Celica... There's a Suzuki Swift. There's like what looks like a London bus, an old Beetle, an old Mini, a 2CV. Like, and none of these things are licensed. And they're just no. all in the game. And I'm, I'm assuming eventually they'll get to the XAR9. Um, 
I love games like this where you you start playing, you go through. Oh, look, there's just the, a fried shrimp for some reason. Okay, um, <laughs> I love when you're playing games like this and you go through the car list and you just you never know what what the next thing is going to be. You have no idea of what of of what's going to be in this game. You know, the next time that you scroll, uh, it just seems fun and just completely unpredictable. Yeah, and that sums up this game because it. It, by comparison to other games, it is slightly more kind of um, reserved in terms of there's no talking cars or president cars or anything like that. But that doesn't mean like things like the shrimp car body and uh, the famous turkey dinner car body as well that you unlock for for beating one of the harder license tests. Like all this type of shits here. Um, yeah, the car list especially is just great fun because some of the choices in there do seem inspired by that idea that. People love driving cars in games that they would never think they wanted to drive. And I think that's especially at this period of time, early PlayStation 2, kind of late PlayStation 1. Um, everybody was curious to just to see what car lists existed in games and the selections here are kind of pretty inspired as well, I would say. Um, oddly enough, the series, if you want to consider it all one singular series, would get licensed cars in the Wii version. I've never played that and apparently it's pretty bad. Um, in its entirety, but that game actually had licensed cars, so that would be the first time licensed cars actually appear, and it's it's interesting that's the case, because I think, like, the Choro Q toy brand had, had uh, realistic, not realistic, sorry, um, real-world cars available in toy form for quite the, the entire life cycle of the, se the gaming series, so it's interesting that they never actually used that, but maybe it's because of the I suppose the headaches of saying to a company, we're going to put a, a jet booster on the back of your car and skis and stuff. I don't know from a licensing point of view if that'd be a headache or not. Yeah, I mean, historically, car makers don't love to be, you know, fun or, <laughs> you know, ag agree with what developers are doing, even if it serves sort of the flavor of the game. I mean, this is this is a type of situation where they absolutely have every incentive to... Um, just kind of go along with it you know it's a toy car line everything's going to be very very pleasant very uh you know agreeable probably for your brand there no one's gonna try and make your car crumple and catch on fire and stuff but you know what car manufacturers and companies are they they don't like anyone to have fun uh because they're worried they'll lose money so it is what it is i mean the you know i don't think these games needed it at all especially because like Clearly, Takara was able to get away with putting these cars. It's not like some other games. Like, it's not like, say, like, uh, I don't know. It's not like Burnout, where they have unlicensed cars, and you can tell that they're clearly inspired by a real car, but they change enough things. Or I guess that the perfect exa modern example of that would be GTA. It's not like that. Like, these cars are fully, like... Choro Q toy versions of existing cars. There is no mistaking like the Bug Eye Impreza for the Bug Eye Impreza. That that's what it is. And and when you consider like some of the weird cars that they tried to put in this game, uh, as we were just talking about with the uh, with PS2 uh, Penny Racers, um, yeah, it's. I mean, there's no other car that looks like an Alpine A110. So uh, it's pretty obvious there. It's it's just funny i guess that they were able to kind of go along with the series all the way up until the end without really acknowledging that um but but on a different note you know i'm looking at footage of um what was called road trip the arcade edition in the u.s now that one was just churro q uh and it was gadget racers on the gamecube in europe so what was gadget racers on the ps2 in north america is a different game from Gadget Racers on the GameCube in Europe. And it came out later. And this was actually, this was the first one I tried because I thought the visual style was like my favorite. And it's a little bit yeah. more, um, the cars kind of have this cell shade quality to them. So it looks, I don't want to say Auto Model Lisa because that would be <laughs> too kind. It looks like, yeah. um, like GT Pro Series or GT Cube, like a little bit shittier, but that's kind of what they're trying to go for. Um, and this game, I actually, because <laughs> I played this like months ago. I remember we were doing, uh, we, we did the, uh, the, the Christmas podcast and right after I was like really curious to try one. 
Yeah. And I just, I got right into it. And I was like, I, I don't enjoy this at all. This is not fun. It looks okay, <laughs> but it's just not fun. Yeah. And and I think, you know, kind of revisiting all of this and beginning to see your point that's like, you know, these games aren't really fun to play when you're on the track. So to really extract the most enjoyment out of them, you have to play the ones that just let you do all the crazy shit with the customization. Yeah. Just just really leave leave nothing off the table. Um and yeah, that's that's totally understandable now. I mean, this one has some interesting tracks and like, it, it almost looks like a Toy Commander type vibe. Like they're in like, it seems like maybe it's the, one of the only uh, Churro Q games where they actually set cars in places that you would expect a toy car to be. So they're on like a living yeah. room floor. Um, but then that's never really been my kind of thing either. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the, the, the popular way that to read all of this is that Whatever your preference might be for a game like this, the series tried so many different things on the back of so many different developers with so many different visions that there should be one in here that you maybe like more than the others, even if it isn't like going to be one of your favorite racing games of all time. There's like a different, each one is kind of going for a different thing and uh, you're bound to find one that, that you favor a little bit more than the other ones. And I guess that's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. They, they tried loads of different stuff, and that's I think that's why one of these appeals. And you can go to any YouTube video, and the top comment is always, "This is so underrated." Like <laughs> every time, there's always somebody saying that for one of these games, and that kind of highlights the point you're making. And to be honest, I don't really know if I agree with that sentiment either. I think these games are perfectly fine for what they are. And for me personally, I'm I'm of the mindset with this series that if it wasn't for and a lot of the games, these kind of real-world-ish looking cars, I don't know how much I would have actually enjoyed it, because for me, like you were saying, Adam, like the appeal is having these toyified versions of real vehicles and being able to modify them and just have a bit of fun with them, so if the cars looked so entirely fictionalised, I don't think I would have been as interested, but I think like the appeal for me was always this idea of of having real-world cars shrunk to these Choro Q sizes and, and having fun just modifying them and putting ridiculous engine parts and stuff in and having that level of uh, customization, I suppose, like in a in a time period where it wasn't really that common to have such levels of customization across both the internals of the car and, and the outside of the car. Because in the case of the, the PS2 uh, Choro Q HG, you can even choose like the drivetrain and stuff for these cars, which is pretty cool. Like I quite like the idea that you can have that level of modification, um, and that's where the appeal was for me. But the actual on-track driving experience was just a means of experiencing that. I don't think I would ever say the racing was fantastic or anything like that, and I think most people would agree that it is the whatever version of Choro Q, Penny Racers, Gadget Racers you like, it's probably everything around that on-track experience that makes it uh, memorable, and that's absolutely fine. You, you can acknowledge that and also understand that from a racing point of view, it's not really offering anything entirely unique. Yeah, uh, two things I want to point out. One is I, I hadn't really looked into the Saturn version, so there was a game called Choro Q Park on the Saturn, and uh, I think I dismissed it because it seemed like having the subtitle of Park, it, it seemed like it was maybe a different sort of game, not really part of the main series. I This one actually looks really good. This one, I'm curious to play. I think it visually looks better than the PlayStation games, which is pretty much unheard of for a game on the Saturn. <laughs> uh, yeah. the, the art style is really pretty and... Uh, it looks like um, it, it. It reminds me a little bit more of Rally Day Europe. It also reminds me a little bit more of like if if you ever played on the N sixty four or aware of it, uh, Snowboard Kids. Like that's kind of the art style. And yeah, I can see it, that. It really, yeah. it really, really fits Shiro Q. There's like, um, it's also more of like a. It looks like it's more of like a kart style game in terms of like um, combat and pickups and you know shooting other people with weapons and stuff. Um, you know, it's a game on the Saturn and they, they rightfully put a Lancia Delta Integrale in it. Yes. It looks, it looks yeah. really, really, um, charming and I want to, I want to try it out. Um, that was, that was kind of the first thing I wanted to note. The second thing I wanted to note was, and, and I saw this last night when I was doing a little bit of research. Have you, 
ever seen the introduction to Choro Q HG4? I haven't actually, no. So, uh, Should I look this up? Yeah, I want you to look it up because we're almost going... I mean, it's not Enthusia-level uh, lunacy, but it's not far off. There are these words that pop up on the screen. Some of them of look course. like they aren't real. Um, oh, wow, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we get a close-up of the cars in the audience <laughs> on the grandstand uh, chilling with their 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 uh, drink of uh, motor oil because that's the refreshment that the car enjoys when it's watching other cars race. It, it, it's one of those things that really makes you sort of question like the this world and like how it exists and the fact that there are no humans in it and the dynamics of the society and everything it, it, in, in a very short amount of time. It's very strange. I, I recommend yeah. everybody watches it. I think I've seen a car on top of a skyscraper like Batman as well. Yes. Yeah, that's point. in there. Yeah, it's like a <laughs> word will show up on screen and it'll say freedom and it'll show that word in different <laughs> languages, but each time it does it, it capitalizes different letters within the word <laughs> at random. So it just yeah. looks kind of AI generated. Um, everything about this looks like AI generated. I I, I don't know how to <laughs> put it any differently. All, than all that. under a minute as well. Like yeah. under a minute. Like that's insane. <laughs> Throws everything at you in a minute. Yeah, and and the cuts are so quick. It's it's crazy. It's almost um. It reminds me a little bit of like the intro to like Sega. I think it was Sega GT two thousand two, but it's even more out there. Um. Just, just the visual style of like words, close-ups on cars. We're superimposing a bunch of things over each other. I like the part where there's a skyline and the Z on the grid, and then one turns to talk to the other one and flashes its lights, and then the the skyline turns back to the Z and flashes its lights lights too, and then the word friends pops up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's certainly something. Uh, I that's that's made my Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put we'll post it up on the Twitter too, um, so people can yeah. see it. But got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I want to try a Saturn one though, and I, I do want to try. Uh, I do want to try the one you mentioned as well, which I've already forgotten the name of because it's just have so HG. Many games. Just HG, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the the Saturn one does look really cool actually, and I'm not sure what's happening in the gameplay clip I've seen, but it was like. A car crossed like a certain line on yeah, the track and it changed yeah. the car to like a race mod version of the same car or something, or it was a different vehicle it transformed into. So I wonder what's going on there. I saw like a I saw like a Sylvia pass that line and become like a some sort of like Dakar, you know, SUV or something. So uh, that was that was maybe just cool. multiple vehicles or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a novel idea. I think I think part of the issue too is like, you know, we're talking about all these games and. Penny Racers, you know, where it, 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 it holds up the, the you know, when you were talking about holds up because it it just goes through those absurd lanes, right? Whereas, like, I was looking at, God, I don't know which one it was, but the one I was just talking about on the GameCube a second ago, uh, Road Trip the Arcade Edition. Yeah, and it's Road like, yeah. it doesn't do anything crazy, and it doesn't, like, it, like, there's no sort of mechanic that makes a game stand out. It literally seems like it's, you know, take Gran Turismo, but make it a lot worse and a lot uglier and a lot less fun to play with toy cars. And <laughs> we'll do the same thing. Like, you, you just you just drive, but the driving isn't fun. I feel like for these games to stand out, they really need some sort of element that, that you're not going to get anywhere else. And that Saturn one with the sort of thing where it, it seems like maybe you pick a couple cars at the start of a race, and then you yeah. go past the line and it changes and... You know, making assumptions here because I haven't played it. Maybe like, you know, you go from asphalt to dirt, and then like that's where the changeover point starts. So that's where you can like change into like an SUV or a rally car or something. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. really cool. That's that's a great idea. That's something that maybe you know I don't know how it's implemented, obviously, but if it was implemented well, that's something that like should maybe have stuck throughout the series. And, and I don't know, but I think part of the issue too is. You know, the, the developer of that one was a company called Next Tech, which I've never heard of before. I don't think they made any other Churro Q games. 
<laughs> so when you have a when you have a series that is changing hands so many times, it's really hard to sort of keep that that constant theme and and sort of build upon the progress uh, that the last one made. Yeah, it's almost not for the same circumstances, but it's similar to the runabout chat in the sense that there was something here that they probably could have pursued and improved upon after each iteration, but there was more of a kind of haphazard approach taken to just giving people or developers the chance to, to make a game that they wanted to make, and then that means the series itself is a little bit kind of all over the place. Yeah, I do like talking about games like this and Runabout, though, because they're complete blind spots for me, and they're very interesting. Even if they're not always very good, they're uh, they're definitely yeah. interesting to talk about on the podcast. And and I imagine you know there there are a few people uh, in the Time Extend Discord who are familiar with Cherokee, Q, but I, I would imagine a lot more that aren't. So uh, yeah, hopefully this this inspires you to find the one you like. Uh, God help you looking at that Wikipedia page and trying to sort through all of the names, but find the one you like and and check it yeah. out. Would you believe that I've just found some information about Next Tech? Okay. And they're actually known as Next Entertainment, which means they also worked on Toge R for the Xbox, which oh. we talked about in the pod before with Andrew yeah. Elmore. Andrew Elmore's favorite racing game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they also worked on Resident Evil Code Veronica. Um, yeah, they've actually Dino Crisis as well, Time Crisis 3, 4, Bayonetta for the PS3, Ooh. they worked on that with Sega and uh, Platinum. So. Wow, they, they seem like a, yeah, they seem, okay, de they develop games for other companies on a contract basis, uh, they yeah. closed in 2016, they seem almost like a Tose or something, like you don't see their name a lot, but they contribute to a lot of things. A lot of, a lot of notable games, they, they help Sega with Shenmue, a bunch of Time Crisis games, as you said, um... They, but Bayonetta on the PS3, um, yeah, yeah. the Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil on the Saturn, and Ballerina Toshinden on the Saturn. So, yeah, lots of lots of different titles here. Very interesting. Must have been doing something right to get all that work. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think that just about wraps this up. We uh, we wanted to keep this one short because uh, we both have our commitments and we're all so busy these days um but glad we got a chance to talk about talk about churro q uh for sure because uh it was as i said it was a blind spot and it's it's exactly the type of game that i love that we we i don't even know if i would say give love to on time extend because everything <laughs> we said here wasn't completely glowing but <laughs> nevertheless i you know go go out there try to find in our podcast that's talking about churro q uh and we'll wait because i don't think you'll find many others exactly that's that's why we're here so um yeah as as always I like to put the note at the end of the episode uh go uh check out the time extend discord uh when you can and and you can do that by just sending us an inv or a, a dm rather on twitter um time underscore extend is our handle if you don't know it already and just let us know that you'd like to join and we will get you in there but uh, yeah, I think that's that's really all I had to say. Brendan, anything anything on your docket? No, mate, that that's all good. Just um, thanks everybody for listening and have a great day. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you.